we are in a, se- a, a series called Hebrews. And it's either a letter or a sermon to a group of Christians uh, who have had a hard time. You know, they're struggling with their faith. And this particular author or preacher, um, he sees what's going on in the church, uh, probably in Rome, and, and, and he or she writes this letter or preaches this sermon to them and, and says, you know, keep pushing on with your faith. Jesus is at the center. That, if I was trying to summarize it, I was just thinking about it. You know, don't give up. Stay close to Jesus. It's worth it. Keep going with him. So two weeks ago, last week we had Pastor Mark. Awesome message, by the way, wasn't it? Awesome, yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we were in chapter 3. We started chapter 3, and we were looking at the, the author's plea to consider Moses as this really great example of faithfulness. You know, he really was a good example. And while Moses was someone who was filled with doubts and had a lot of challenges and setbacks, it didn't stop him. He stayed true to God, stayed true to his calling. And verse 2 of chapter 3 said, Moses served faithfully and he was entrusted with God's entire house. And then the author moves on, uh, moves us to, to Jesus as someone who is even greater, greater than Moses. You think he was great? Jesus is the greatest. Hebrews is all about him. The faith community, including this one, is about Jesus. He is our center. You know, we're not ashamed of that. We won't be distracted from that. We won't be tempted into something else. And so last time we finished with these verses, they were in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. In other words, this you know, he, he led the nation out of captivity, out of slavery. In, they were in bondage into freedom. And, and it was like, it was an illustration of, of Jesus, what he's going to do. It pointed to him. In verse 6, it says, But Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. And, and I did talk a little bit about this two weeks ago, about these, these two words, but, you know, they've just been... They've been bouncing around in my head nonstop for two weeks now. Courage and confidence. I just can't stop thinking of these two words, courage and confidence. And I thought, well, even though I've kind of touched on this already, I've got to go further into this. I've got to preach more on this. And as I read the rest of chapter 3, these are the two things I want to apply to the text today. Because while Moses was held up as a good example, the author now gives us this bad example as we continue to read where courage and confidence can be lacking. So let me read the rest of chapter 3 to you now. It's a little bit lengthy, but I want you to stay with me if you can. So Hebrews 3, back to verse 6 again. That Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. And then he quotes um, from the Psalms, up from between verse 7 and 11. He says this, is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. 
if you were here when we went through the Joshua series, you know what we're talking about here. That particular generation didn't make it into the promised land, and they had to wander. And then he continues in verse 12. This is the author speaking again. But be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. Every day. Seems a lot. Well, it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And remember what it says, and this is when he quotes again, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So he's saying again, Remember what the scriptures said about this. You know, we've got to watch our hearts. Moving on in verse 16. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned and whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they should never that they would never enter his rest. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. These same people that God had let out miraculously had then let their hearts go hard towards God. And, and it's the, so he's saying, you know, hey, church, warning for us. You know, God, he did a miracle in us. He saved us, Remember? He's done so much for us, but it's, it's easy to get trapped and, to, and for your heart, your heart to harden. Twice in Hebrews, he says, don't harden your heart towards God. And you, you might ask, well, what does a hard heart kind of look like? And I think the answer is there. It's, it's one who doesn't, who doesn't do what God says. Who doesn't do what God tells them to do. And you might be thinking, well, that's not me. I'm good at... Not doing the things that I'm not, or doing the things I'm not supposed to do. Not doing the things I'm not supposed to do. I think I got that right. You know, I don't steal, I don't cheat on my taxes, I don't drink and drive, I don't speed, hopefully. I don't commit adultery. I don't, I don't harm others. I'm not, you know, I'm not addicted to drugs or anything like that. And I want to remind you that the Israelites, you know, they kind of, they thought the same way. Even when Joshua took over from Moses, they said, yeah, we're going to follow God's instructions. They had learned to follow the book of the law, all the things they couldn't do to stay in alignment with God. Laws around justice and, and sanitation and, um, you know, keeping the Sabbath, sexual purity, honoring parents. Mostly, they had learned to obey these things. But then there was this command beyond more than what not to do. There was a command to go where they were frightened to go. I'm talking about the Israelites on the doorstep of Canaan. And I think this is where we, we can get stuck as Christians. We're pretty good at obeying the commands about what not to do, but then there's these commands that require us to do something, something that God has put in front of us, called us to do. And resisting that is also disobedience, just as much as the other things. Hebrews calls us to obey all that God calls us to do. And so the two words come to mind. It takes courage and it takes confidence to obey. I want to give you some examples. 
Here's one that's been on my mind this week as well. You know, it takes courage and confidence to forgive like Christ does. Especially if someone offends you, God not only calls you to not get revenge and retaliate, you know, that's the turn the other cheek thing that Jesus talks about. He's not wanting us to get back at someone who's hurt, harmed us. He, he says, no, you've got to, follow of Christ, follow of me, forgiveness is actually what I'm calling you to. And maybe it's a step more than that. Maybe it's a command to reconcile with somebody. You know, maybe if the situation is appropriate, as a follower of Jesus, we do something for that person that blesses them. That person that hurt me, I might even go a step further and do something for them. You know, not, not for our own glory, because maybe, just maybe I've got to do it anonymously in a way. This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Doing that takes courage. Courage because you may have to initiate a conversation that they honestly want to flee from. Courage because maybe you have to overcome that temptation to, to fight back. Courage to be honest with yourself about any ill will that you may have towards that person who's hurt you. You know, secretly, maybe we don't want them to do well. And I know that's a bit shocking, but I know how the human heart works, you know. That's what unforgiveness can do when it stays, in our, when it stays here. Forgiveness is, is going somewhere we don't want to go. And yet Jesus commands us to forgive. It's hard work. It takes enormous courage. But we have confidence that God not only approves of your courage to forgive, but he will help you get there. There is so much of God to be found in forgiveness. You know, it's a whole sermon series really on, it, on its own. It's new creation stuff. Forgiveness. It's heaven on earth. It strikes a blow to the devil. And it frees us from bitterness. It frees us from bondage and being caught up in that unforgiveness. That's just one example. I've got the second example is courage and confidence when God calls you to go or to do. And I guess this is one of the big ones for this morning's message. If you're to take something away from from today's sermon, I want you to hear this because verse 10 says, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. You know, when we're not doing what God tells us to do, we're, we're turning our hearts away from him in a sense. Just like we, we talked about with the Israelites. You know, church, I, I want to ask you a question. Does God still discipline today? I mean, I know it's quiet because no one wants to say yes, but... The answer is yes. You know, if we jump ahead into Hebrews, and maybe this is going to be an interesting sermon when we get to it in chapter 12, but it says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Not one of our favorite verses in the world. We don't put that on the coffee mugs, do we? You know? We, we know discipline from God comes from love. And so he may choose to, 
to discipline us for our own good. Now, please don't for a second think that all the bad stuff in your life is God's discipline. That is not the case. I'm pretty sure 99% of the struggles we have in our life come from us and the people around us. You know, the world, we're good at doing that. But God's loving discipline is real. You know, I feel like I've experienced it at times in my life. In fact, there's a couple times I'm very certain of it where God has pinged me on some things. And something good comes out of it. You know, a better Nathan, a, maybe a better marriage, a more fruitful ministry, a life that is closer to that, you know, that life to the full that Jesus talks about that we often sometimes think, I wonder what that is really like. Because God is shaping us and sometimes to get our attention, he has to bring some discipline into our lives. I also suspect God disciplines churches. You know, we bury the talents, you know, the parable. We're not putting them to use. God takes them away from us. Maybe we focus inwards. Maybe we fall into disunity. Or, or quite frankly, we just lose our first love, which is what Hebrews is about. Come back to Jesus. You know, the, the letter in Revelation that Jesus writes, I can't remember the church he writes to, but he says, I, I'll remove my lamp. Because you forgot your first love. So is God asking you to do something? Perhaps something that seems too hard. Something you don't feel equipped to do. Something that seems impossible to get to. It's out of reach. Something that requires finances that you don't have. Something that means a change of career. Something that takes too long to achieve or it seems like it. Something that requires too big of a sacrifice. Something that will make you uncomfortable. But you can't shake that feeling that God is calling you to it or to do it. Maybe you've shared it with others and they've confirmed that in you. Maybe God is making you unsettled where you are. It takes courage to step forward and say, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to do. And here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus and he's saying, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. We obey. We, because the alternative is we're like the rebellious Israelites. And it's a hard heart. It doesn't always sound that appealing, but here's what I'm learning. You can say yes with confidence. Confidence that God actually wants you to succeed in your calling. Hey, church, did you hear that? You can have confidence that when Jesus asks you to do something, he wants you to do well. In that, He wants you to have success. God doesn't call you for no reason. When he gives you a task, he wants the outcome to be successful. And we can have confidence in that. It may not be the success that we are evaluating it on, but it will be successful, or he wants it to be successful, I should say, based on his parameters. I don't know about you guys, but this, this does a lot for me. Confidence that God wants me to do well. To the things that he has called me to do. If he calls you to teach Hill's kids, you can have confidence that he will use you to make a difference in those kids' lives, especially if you invest passionately in them. 
He will equip you. He wants those kids to know him. He wants you to do a good job. Same for the youth leaders. He wants you guys to do a good job for the... He wants those youth to love him. And if you have open hands, he will equip you. If God calls you to be a peacemaker in your family, because your family is, for whatever reason, not experiencing peace, or perhaps it's in your workplace, wherever there's conflict in your life, and God calls you to be a peacemaker, you can have confidence that he will help you in that situation. Because he loves peace. Being a peacemaker takes courage, boy. Boy, does it take courage. He's not really in the business of controlling people, so there's no guarantee of the outcome. People are going to do their, do their thing, but you can have confidence that God will give you the patience and the endurance and the discernment, the gifts that you need, the wisdom that you need. You can have confidence that you're in his will because his word says, blessed are the peacemakers. You can have confidence in that. If God calls you to do something radical, like start a charity, a ministry, an outreach, maybe even a church, perhaps it's a business that he wants you to do. If it's his idea, you can have confidence that he actually wants you to succeed. Not confidence that you're guaranteed an earthly success because people have a tendency, you know, part of my language, to screw things up, right? But... That's not on God. That's on us. There's a confidence that God is for you and what he has called you to do. And staying true to God and his calling are the keys to success. And if you do that, you can have the confidence he'll give you what you need. It takes courage and confidence to go. hope you hear me on this today. Number three. Another example, courage and confidence when God calls you to change, to be transformed, to be like Jesus, to be the new creation. New creation is another two words that have been in my mind a lot lately. I almost thought, wouldn't it be great to be called New Creation Church or something like that? The only thing that holds me back is I think the neighborhood would say, what is that all about? (laughs) New creation, though, is who we are. This church represents the new creation. And God puts his, you know, his finger on that, that sinful spot in your heart, perhaps, or, or there's, a, there's that character flaw, or there's that blind spot, and you see that you need to change. It takes courage to admit it and start the hard journey of change that we're called to. We're called to be transformed. Called to be sanctified. Called to be holy. For example, when he reveals that you have an anger problem, remember this one from James? No one does, that's okay. (laughs) Anger almost always comes from a place that is not God-honoring, it's not loving, it leads to hurt, it leads to division, and, and can lead us into sin, quite frankly, against other people in particular. Well, what about when God reveals that you're a bit too quick to judge and condemn others? You know, we hate it when people talk about us. We find out people have been talking about me behind my back. When you're the pastor, it comes with a job, I think. (laughs) Hopefully it's good. But we, we hate it, don't we? When people talk about us, 
But we do it. We can be guilty of it ourselves. Remember what Jesus said about talking about the speck in someone else's eye? And you've got this honking big plank there in your own eye. And often that plank is the fact that you're looking at the speck. You're always looking at other people and what they're doing wrong. Let's just think of ourselves today. Is that me? It takes courage, actually, to admit that and say, oh, you know, I've got to do something about this. I think God's telling me to. I need to obey. It takes confidence in God's desire. God's desire for me to be holy. The third example is um, of this idea that God's calling us to change is perhaps we're caught up in addictions. And it was, I think we were singing about it this morning. No condemnation from me here this morning, church, if this is you. But maybe the desire to drink too much is there, you know, to take a certain substance, to eat too much, to gossip too much. Gossip becomes an addiction, by the way. To accumulate too much, to spend too much, to sneakily help yourself to something that's not yours, to watch too much TV, to look at my phone too much. And, and of course, the one we always mention is to be looking at the wrong thing, pornography. All of those things harm us and, and often harm others. Often the ones we love the most, it takes great courage. It takes great courage to overcome and beat these addictions. Courage to admit that I have an addiction and that it's harming me and others. And confidence in God's desire for us to overcome. So much so. We, we know we can have so much confidence that he died to break the power of sin and death for us. Like that's how confident we can be in God in this. One of the best ways to, to change is to confess. It takes courage to confess to somebody. Going back to James again, he says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We do put the second part of that verse on the mugs because it's good. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Is that true? The first part says confess your sins to each other. <laughs> that bit got left off. About five years ago, I had a friend of mine speak to me and said, uh, you know, Nathan, I've, I'm just going to admit it. I'm addicted to the pornography. Sadly, that's not an uncommon confession that I hear. And he was, he was cut up about it. He was broken about it. He was sick of what it was doing to him. Sick of it. And wanted it gone. And um, I prayed earnestly with him. And um, I said, you know, I'm going to check on you. <laughs> I'm going to check on you. And... I want you to have the joy of saying, I haven't been back. I want you to have the joy of saying, it's gone from my life. And when I did, he was able to say it. And it was only last week that this person spoke to me again and was saying, you know, it's five years, Nathan. It's gone from my life. I'm claiming healing. James 5.16, confess your sin 
to each other, pray that you may be healed because a righteous person's prayer is powerful and effective. And then, he, and then he said, I've actually taken the trouble to confess to my wife this week. He hadn't done that before because he was scared, which I understand. And of course she was um, surprised and disappointed in some ways, but also really um, loving and forgiving and glad that he could be honest with her. It took a lot of courage, though. It took a lot of courage. And it takes confidence that God will be true to his word as we read in James. And he can give us the power to change. All right, number four today. It's the courage and the confidence to warn others. And, and, uh, now, this is a hard one. You might be thinking, well, I feel like you've covered a lot of hard ones already, pastor. But I find this one hard. Let's just check again in Hebrews 3, verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. You know, one of the author's concern all the way through Hebrews is about these believers that are drifting away. They're not, their first love is gone. Mark talked about it last week. People who are drifting away. We mourn over our family and friends who have drifted away. And the author of Hebrews, he had the same concern. One of our roles, though, is to encourage each other to, to stay true to God's word, to stay true to him, to persevere. But we also have a role of warning each other, and that actually takes courage. Sometimes it's too easy to say nothing. You know, we see a family member or a friend from church, and they're drifting away. We say nothing because we fear that we might push them further away. You know, what if they don't respond favorably? So we do nothing. But how we warn others is, of course, of vital importance. Firstly, as we read in Scripture, what does the author say? Start with your own heart before you worry about anyone else's. So if you feel like you've got a warning for someone, how about we start here first? Where am I at? What about all these things we've preached on this morning, we've talked about? Do I have to get there first before I start going off and warning other people? That's where we need to start. Second is that our love for them is our driving motivation. See, the thing is, people don't hear us if they're not convinced that our concern is for them, not their actions, them, as people, as family, as friends. So before we find the courage to warn someone, we start with that, the care you have for them. And if that's not you, if you can't start from that position of love and empathy, I say don't do the warning, actually. Get that bit done first. Or let someone else do it. So church, I hope you know that I love you. If you're here today watching online, I love you. And I want the best for you. I want the best for you. But in the spirit of Hebrews, I lovingly and gently warn you today, don't be deceived. Watch for the things that come from the world that pull you away from the Lord. Watch out for them. I warn you, don't neglect your walk with Jesus. Don't resist what he's calling you to do or not to do. So recently, a, 
I took a prayer walk, as I do sometimes, often on a Monday, and th- th- these two words uh, were just right in here, courage and confidence, Nathan, courage and confidence. So I found myself praying into them, and here are some of the things I prayed specifically for me, and I'm going to share them with you today. I hope you find them helpful, and the team can come while I do that. Here's what I prayed. Lord, give me the courage to talk about you more when you give me the opportunities. Lord, give me the courage to overcome the things in my life that you're calling out of me, the things that aren't honouring of you, that, aren't, that don't represent the new creation. Give me the courage, Lord, to lead when it gets tough. Give me the courage to say no when I need to say no and yes when I need to say yes. Can anyone identify with that? Sometimes we're saying yes when we shouldn't be. Sometimes we're saying no when we shouldn't be. Takes courage. Give me the courage, Lord, to not run away from the difficult circumstances or challenges. Give me the courage, Lord, to know when you're bringing discipline into my life and to embrace it. Give me the courage, Lord, to see out the difficult times and not give up. Give me the courage to not shy away from your vision for Hills Church. Give me the courage to admit and confess my mistakes and my sin to be open about my blind spots, to come under your instruction. Give me the courage to stand for your truth when there's pressure not to. Lord Jesus, give me the courage to love like you love, to love those who persecute, to care for those who are in need ahead of me, to give my life for others like you gave your life for us, to forgive when it's really hard to. Give me the courage, Lord, to be generous when I want to hold on to something. Because, Lord, I have confidence that you love me. Jesus, I have confidence that I am saved and I'm going to be in heaven. I have confidence that you've called me to be a pastor. I have confidence that you're going to equip me. I have confidence that when I'm weak, you're strong. I have confidence, Lord, that you want the best for Hills Church more than I do. I have confidence that you want your church to not only survive, but thrive. I have confidence, Lord, that if we follow your will, you will provide what we need when we ask. I have confidence that you are hearing our prayers and you're moving our hearts and our minds to align with you. I have confidence in our God. And I hope you do too today. I want to encourage you today. Find the courage to say yes to what God is asking you to do or where to go or to change. 
and, and put your confidence in him. He has proven himself over and over again. Can anyone else testify to that today? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I, I say those prayers again, Lord. Courage and confidence. Humbly, courage and confidence, Lord. We submit ourselves to you today, Lord, and, and your will for us. And we have the confidence, Lord, that you will give us what we need to do that. I believe in your promises in, the, in your word, Lord Jesus. I believe, Lord, that uh, you will give us the courage we need just to say yes. Lord, as a church even, to say yes as we go into this world that's uh, in so much pain all around us, this world, Lord, that needs you more. Father, give us the courage. Give us the courage, Lord, to, to declare your name, to, to, uh, to love people like you did, Lord, to meet the needs in our neighborhood and in our community, Father. God, we, we submit ourselves to you afresh this morning in that way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.